Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100. For a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Bet365. I am your host, Josh Harris. Five games slate tonight. Bit surprised they didn't include the Chicago Vegas game. Not going to complain about it, but uh, that game locks at 6 p.m. Eastern. I like five game slates. Joining me, as always, Slim Cliffy. We're matching past two days. Uh, we didn't plan this, but they say geniuses pick green, and we're not wearing green. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I, 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 it's geniuses and heroes. I think like you see a lot of superheroes usually wear green. I think is kind of the trend. So. Um, maybe that's something we have to try to keep in mind from now on is not always wear black. <laughs> I do try to, I try to keep it a little colorful. Um, you know, I'll wear my hockey jerseys, different colored hoodies and stuff like that. But today, like it's super warm out here today. It's, I think it's 22 degrees Celsius, which would be, I don't know, 70 something Fahrenheit. It's About the same here. Too. It's warm. It's, yeah, like I, I went for a run in shorts and a t-shirt. I usually don't do that at the end of October. Um, so, I, you know, just t-shirt today. Um, interesting five-gamer ahead of us here tonight. <laughs> it's a bunch of bad teams playing. Um, some are playing uh, the second back-to-back. -back. Some are playing their first of a back-to-back, -back, but they second tomorrow. Um, pretty interesting slate. How'd you do last night? I had some good, had some bad. I didn't cash. I went uh, Jets won, and they came in lower on than expected. Um, they played well. They just didn't capitalize on their chances. Yeah. Um, it happens. I did have Hofer in that, Joel Hofer. He shut out the Flames. How big of a disgrace are the Flames? They're just a disgrace. Oh, man. Like, I was wondering if it was one of those I'd wake up and the coach would have been fired overnight or something like that um, after, what, like eight games. Um, it just looks bad. I, I saw that they're trying new line combinations today. It's funny. They finally, they're finally, it seems like they're finally putting Huberto next to Kadri, which is funny because Huberto's the best parts of his season last year by far was when he had Kadri as his center, not Lindholm, not Backlund, you know, whatever else. Um, so we'll see how they look over the next few games if they stick with Huberto uh, next to Kadri. But, yeah, things aren't looking good. And uh, with him, with Elias Lindholm do, set for a new contract, um, it'll be interesting to see if they decide to sign him or not and keep that core around for a long time because there's a lot of guys signed for a lot of years there. Yeah, those are some bad contracts. You went Flyers. Did I you didn't. Have... You didn't? No. I uh, uh, When we saw – when the Montreal news came out that – uh, Rafael Harvey Pinar was jumping to the top line. I changed around my line because I had, I had Flyers one with Winnipeg one. Um, that was my lineup. And when I saw that Harvey Pinard was on the top line for Montreal, I figured that was probably a pretty good chance to get him at about one, 2% ownership. And that's about where he came in at. Um, so I changed to Montreal one and Tampa one, which basically gave the same results I would have had if I stuck with Philly and Winnipeg. So yeah, I don't think it's that big of a loss, but I ended up cashing because Montreal did pretty well. And I also had hope for a net. Um, 
but I got like 12.3 combined points for my defenseman and my utilities. Like, you know, you're not going to go anywhere with that. So uh, my stacks did fine. My ancillaries uh, did not. We'll take a cash. We'll move along. We'll look ahead to tonight. Yeah, Tampa 1 was pretty underwhelming. Um, but like, that's not the first time a top line has been underwhelming against the Sharks. I remember I played Nashville 1 against the Sharks. The Nashville Predators blew them out of the water, but that game was out of hand by the middle of the second, so they didn't play too much. Could be foreshadowing for tonight. Not sure. <laughs> and funny, funny you mentioned that. I was actually looking at the ice time. And I don't know why, but Stamkos played 20 minutes last night. And like Kucherov and Point played like 15, 16 minutes or something like that. And Stamkos played 20, like 20 minutes and four seconds or something. I have no idea why they played him that much. But considering the contract disputes that are going on, maybe there's something uh, a little bit more that we can read into that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sharks back to back on the road in Carolina. That just screams stack Carolina. But before we get into this slate, NBA season is back and get access to any stochastic D- NBA DFS package for 20% off when signing up with the promo code TIPOFF. It's only good through the end of this week, so I'd imagine tomorrow, today and tomorrow. Our data packages now include access to our SIM tools, contest generator, and late swap tool. Which, listen, I, I don't play NBA DFS too often, but that late swap tool is, is gold. Build up to 5,000 lineups on Stochastic in 60 seconds with our contest generator. Base package allows you to build up to 500 lineups and export up to 20. The max package allows you to build up to 5,000 lineups with unlimited exports. So if you are into NBA and you're still thinking about joining, smash that uh, link in the description below and use promo code TIPOFF. Get you 20% off this week. Let's get into the slate. Let's talk about that Sharks-Carolina game. The San Jose Sharks with a 2.1 total. That's the lowest total we've seen so far this season. Not really surprising. Back-to-back on the road in Carolina. The Carolina Hurricanes have a 3.9 total. Uh, I'm glad this is the first game. So, like, when this game ages me three years, we can talk about some actual hockey. Just on on a random note, there are eight lines projected for double-digit ownership tonight per our top stacks tool. Uh, there, There's seven of them in between 10 and 13%, and there's one chalky spot. Just wanted to say there's going to be options tonight. There's not like an overly smashed chalk spot. There's probably going to be some high-owned one-offs that we'll get to, but let's talk about this Carolina uh, Sharks game. Um, Andre Svechnikov back in the lineup confirmed for the Hurricanes tonight. He's slotted to play on the fourth line tonight. He's going to start there. Now, we were talking about this before the show. If this game gets out of hand early, he maybe just stays there and plays 12, 13 minutes in his first game this season. If it's a relatively close game, and it could be because Ronta has been bad. Carolina's also on a back-to-back. They didn't look great. They haven't looked great all season. If it's a close-ish, close-ish game, I feel like he's going to move up. And me, my personal landing spot for him, it's just a guess, obviously, would be replacing Tevu Teravainen. And you see Aho Teravainen Jarvis. That being said, I think Svechnikov is a very interesting play tonight. And if you're spending up for wildly expensive New Jersey, the Sharks fit. <laughs> Yeah, they do. Um, a lot of sharks fit um, tonight. Uh, yeah, the interesting thing is what to do with Spechnikov. Um, We pointed out on yesterday's show, somebody pointed out earlier in our Discord as well, um, that on FanDuel, he's been priced again. Um, he's 3K on FanDuel, so I can only imagine what the ownership is going to look like on that site. On DraftKings, it's a little bit more interesting. Um the reason is this, is that we don't know, like we're assuming he's going to come in on the fourth line. We don't know for sure that he's going to come in on the fourth line, right? Like that's that's kind of the first problem here is that we don't know exactly where he's going to be playing. Um, the other problem, as you mentioned, they haven't looked really that good lately, needed um, overtime uh, to beat the Kraken last night. And they were down to nothing uh, in the first period. They needed uh, a late goal from Kakaniemi and an overtime goal just to win against Seattle, another team that hasn't looked very good this season. 
Um, they were shut out the game before that by Tampa Bay. Um, they've their goaltending's been like absolutely awful, and they're they're reminding me a little bit of the Carolina Hurricanes of like four or five years ago. You always say, "Come for the expected goals, stay for the shutout." Um, that's basically kind of what's going on with Carolina right now. I was looking at their five on five numbers earlier. Tops in the league in shot attempts generated per minute. Fourth in the league uh, in actual shots on goal generated per minute at five on five. But tied with Montreal for 14th in expected goals for for 60 minutes. Like they're not generating any quality. And I said this on one of our shows last week. A big problem is the defensemen are taking all the shots. And that's it's getting a little bit better. Like it was extreme when we first talked about it. It was it was like a 50-50 split between forwards and defensemen for for who was taking the shots on the ice. It's starting to move in the other direction, but it's still like 40% for the Carolina defensemen taking the shots. It's a problem for actually creating offense. Like, yes, you can get those tips and deflections, and that's where you know Carolina kind of makes. Uh, makes hay offensively, um, but it's their lower percentage shots. So the initial shot has a much lower chance of going in than basically any shot a forward will take. And, you know, if you miss the net, it can clear the zone on itself. And, you know, the goalie can stop. If he the goalie saves it, he stops the play. Uh, it's easy to clear out a rebound if, if, the def- if the defensive side has numbers. Like there are just a lot of issues with the way that Carolina is running their offense right now. And I'm really interested to see if, Bringing Sveshnikov back in changes that because he's, he is a shooter. He's one of the biggest volume shooters in the league has been for, you know, basically since his second season. Um, He will eat up a lot more shots that, that the defensemen were taking, but if he's eating up the shots on the fourth line, I really don't care. Like that's kind of the problem here. Like I want him gobbling up some shots from the top line or the, even the second line, not, you know, next to Brendan Lemieux or Jack Drury or something like that. So where they actually have him in warmups will be interesting to see. I'm interested to see if um, if uh, if they do start him on the fourth line. The note is that he's going to be on the top power play unit, and he, with him returning, that'll boot Martin Natchez to the second power play unit. So it'll be interesting to see how how they run those lines because if Sveshnikov comes in. And he, let's say he's on the second line. It's it's him, Kakaniemi, and and Natchez. That's what it ends up in warm up. We don't know. We'll find out. That whole line would be perfectly correlated on the second power play unit. And the Sharks' penalty kill has been pretty bad this year. Um, they're actually, funny enough, they're getting saved by their goaltending, which actually has been a strength for them on the penalty kill over the last couple seasons. It's really weird. I don't know what they're doing in San Jose, but their goaltenders are typically pretty good on the penalty kill. Um, but it, it would lead to a perfectly correlated second power play unit. And I'd have to imagine like a Kokaniemi, Sveshnikov, Natchez line would be pretty low owned because it would be last minute news, right? So I, it's hard to say exactly what to do with Carolina. Like I'm not tempted to just go in and slam the Hurricanes because as you've said, like San Jose is getting the, the snot beat out of them basically every game. But the scoring is basically spread around like, I'm almost wondering if a lot of teams are almost treating it like a scrimmage. You know what I mean? Like they don't really, like, I, I know what you mean. It's just I, like, I don't want to slag the sharks, but this team is like pitiful. Like, I'm sorry. There's just no way around it. Like this, they're looking like the 2015 Buffalo Sabres. And that is arguably the worst team I've ever seen in my life. Like worse than the Anaheim was last year. At least Anaheim could create something offensively every once in a while. San Jose can't even do that. So it's a question of what to do with the Hurricanes because, you know, they played San Jose last week, scored six goals on them, beat them 6-3. Seth Jarvis played 21 minutes. I don't think anybody, uh, any of their forwards are going to play 21 minutes here tonight, especially because the difference will be they'll have Ajo and Sveshnikov in the lineup, which they didn't have last week. But it's one of those situations where I don't want to outright fade Carolina, but I don't know if I'd want to necessarily stack them either. Like, like I said, if, if, if Sveshnikov is on the second line in warmups, I don't really have a problem stacking whatever line he's on because whatever line he's on is probably going to be low on, like I said, um, because it'll be last minute news. So as long as he's in the top six, I'll have interest in stacking whatever line Sveshnikov is on. If it, if warmups come out and he is on the fourth line, I think I'm tempted to just like 
you know, maybe one like I think one offing Sveshnikov is, pro- is probably just fine. Certainly one offing Sedarvis, um, I think is just fine. I don't know if I'd be necessarily running out to stack the Hurricanes. Like, honestly, if anything, like maybe dipping down to, to the third line and like a two-man stack of like Stahl and 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 Martin Oak or something like that, because you know, they're they'll probably get 14, 15 minutes at at least, maybe more if they decide to spread out the ice time. Like by our top stacks tool are coming in really over own, uh 6% top two percentage, 0.6% top two percentage. Whoops, sorry. Um Click the wrong button there. 0.6% top two percentage, uh, 5% ownership. Um, that's really over-owned, but what is there to worry about on the San Jose side? Like their top line has been fine defensively, but they're not generating anything offensively. And if they're not generating anything offensively, Carolina's just going to force them to turn the puck over and then go back the other way. So I can see those defensive numbers taking a pretty big hit here tonight. I think it would be like a two-man stack from Carolina three until we see what warmups look like, look like for the Hurricanes. Because like I said, if Sveshnikov is in the top six, then I would have some interest in stacking, at least two-man stacking or something like that. Um, you know, like I said or, um, a little um, a little earlier, like the San Jose penalty kill has been very bad. They are taking a fair number of penalties as well, 3.9 times shorthanded per game. Um, I was looking a little earlier, the league average is, is – um, at about 3.6. So they're a little bit above that. Carolina is taking even more penalties than that. And that's why I think the San Jose side is the more interesting side here. Like I hate to say it, but it is Um, just because the Carolina goaltending has been so bad. It doesn't, hasn't mattered who's been in net and at their prices, you don't need them to do a lot to really have a good night as long as, you know, your New Jersey stack or your Vancouver stack or your Buffalo stack or whatever does have have a big night. And I'll bring up the top stacks again. That top line for San Jose, 3% top two percentage, 4.1% 4 ownership on DraftKings. That's not a lot. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They, and at that price, 12700 honestly... One perfectly correlated goal, a guy gets a shot bonus or something like that, and that's probably all you really need. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really need a lot. I think I'm a little bit more interested in the second line, to be honest. Eklund, I'm assuming it'll be Eklund, Peterson, and Cunning. They changed their lines so much last night that the only duo you can really kind of rely on is Hurdle and Duclair. Like, like Hurdle and Duclair had different wingers in each period last night. Um, they had LeBanc in the, I think it was LeBanc in the first, um, Zadina in the second and, and Zetterlund in the third or something like Hoffman, that. Like, Hoffman in the second. Oh, Hoffman in the second and, and Zetterlund in the third. So like who they actually have in warmups, I guess we'll find out. Like, I'd be more interested in like a second line duo of, of like Eklund, Zetterlund, if that's what it ends up being, Eklund, Zadina, something like that. They'll avoid that Jordan Stahl shutdown matchup, and then I'm not worried too too worried about the Carolina matchups after that. So I'm actually kind of interested in a two man from San Jose two here, and I think that would be one of the two man stacks that I would use alongside a super expensive New Jersey, super expensive Buffalo, super expensive uh, Vancouver stack, something like that. Other than that, like I don't know this this looks like a game ripe for disappointment. Like you know. Carolina scores five goals, but, you know, three of them come from the blue line and, you know, Jack Drury gets one or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it seems like one of those games that Tampa just had against them, that Nashville just had against them, as you mentioned. So um, maybe San Jose too, as kind of like a filler uh, for uh, my super expensive stacks on the Carolina side, as, if Sveshnikov is in the top six, I'll have interest in whatever line he's on. Otherwise it'd be just picking one off. Yeah. I know Couture is hurt. But this is a similarly good offensive team to what they were. Like the player, like the talent is about the same as it was last year. The only difference is there's no Eric Carlson. You, you like Eric Carlson had an unbelievable year last year. Now they have no puck movers and it's like it's wildly showing. 
Like they are exposed. Like that's the problem. But like, again, the sharks are so cheap where if you get a full angle, like you mentioned, you're, you're cooking with gas at those prices. So, and it's like Ronta. I'm a big Ronta guy. I have been since he was on the coyotes, but it's just like his save percentage to start the season, his high danger, save save percentage, not that the sharks generate high danger chances a lot, but like, all of his advanced metrics are pretty poor this year. So I mean, let, let let's be on like you know let's be honest here. The care the goaltending numbers will get better. Like yeah. the as a team, it's an eight thirty six save percentage, which is a horrific. Like no other team in the NHL is below eight sixty, and they're at eight thirty six, which is that's just a chasm of a drop off. So obviously, it's going to get better. But I'm willing to put some my you know a bit of money against them uh, in DFS until it gets better like show me the improvement and then i'll stop playing uh forwards against you yeah agreed let's move on to the next one with a seven total here the buffalo sabers with a three total heading into new jersey the devils have a 3.9 total i'll just real quick i see someone had a any guesses as fetch ownership and gpp on fanduel he's min price i'd be shocked if he's under 50 percent on fanduel like like i uh, like I would, I would say, yeah, shocked under fifty percent for sure. I think he'll he will not be less than sixty percent. Yeah. Like I just can't see it. Yeah, I would imagine they'll be he'll be pushing three quarters, and like like three and four lineups are going to have something with Svesh. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of the people that don't just probably won't realize that he's playing tonight. Yeah, that too. And then let's get to this Devils game here. Devil's top line of Hughes to Foley, Timo Meyer. I I think outside of last year when Edmonton loaded the top line and they were just nuking everybody when it was McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, and they were actually together for like two weeks. They got up into the 24s, but the, the Devil's top line here is 23,400. That is very expensive, and it's not fully correlated. Timo Meyer not on the top power play unit. Uh, Jack Hughes, Tyler Toffoli are – we were talking about this before the show. We're going to see a ton of one-off Jack Hughes tonight. And just something, it's like, I don't want to call it a pet peeve, but like if anyone asks me strategy questions about lineup building, I cannot stand one-offing centers that are high-priced and high-owned. It's just, if they go off, someone on the line is coming with them. It's the Matthews conundrum. Like if Matthews goes off, there's a good chance Marner's coming with them. If McKinnon goes off, there's a good chance uh, Ranton comes, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think, you know, if you want to go ahead and one-off Jack Hughes, you're going to put yourself on a pretty chalky build. That being said, if I'm going to the Devil's top line tonight and I haven't figured out what I'm doing, I'm at least including Tyler Toffoli because he's 7,500 and he's going to be half the ownership of Jack Hughes. I might even just include Timo Meyer as well and just full stack and deal with it later because – Buffalo Sabres have been awful defensively. Eric Comrie's in net. Levi's hurt. Uh, Uka Pekalukanen, I think, gave up like seven goals in his first start this season. So I, I really, really like the Devils' top line. I would err on the caution of one-offing Jack Hughes. I think you need to at least bring Toffoli along for the ride. I would suggest full stacking. You want to go power play stack, leave off Timo Meyer, add in Jesper Brad or Nico Heischer. I think that's a nice way to get different. You want to add in Luke Hughes, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's fine. On the flip side, I like. I really wish the Middlestad Tuck Skinner line. I, I wish I would I would know that they're going to avoid the Heischer line. They may get the Jack Hughes line, and that's that's also a problem. Like I, I want to get a little bit behind the Sabers here because the Devils, one, they haven't scored first in the game this season, but two. They're not great defensively, and their goaltending isn't very good. So, like, yeah, they're going to score a lot of goals, but it's kind of like the Leafs conundrum. Like, they're going to have to outscore teams this season, but they're going to give up goals. So, like, I want to play some Buffalo here because their ownership is very, very good. I just – I'm not sure which line I want to go to here. Yeah. Um, we'll start with the Buffalo side. I'm glad you mentioned how low on they are. I'll bring up top stacks again. Um Top two stack percentage of 6% on the Tuck Skinner line, 5.5% on uh, Thompson and Cousins, and the ownership coming in lower, 3.8 and 2.5% respectively. So 
yeah, not a lot of ownership expected here. They are probably, um, I I assume, this is my assumption. I assume Nico Hishier is going to go out against Tage Thompson. Like, yeah. you know, it's the guy that scored 47 goals or whatever and had 94 points last year. Like, I think Nico Hishier is probably going to get go in and get that shutdown matchup. So I think Casey Middlestad will be going up um, against the Hughes line for the most part. Now, um, Hugh, that Hughes line with Toffoli has actually been fairly good defensively, but it's a really tiny sample. You know what I mean? Like we're looking at less than 40 minutes, so I'm not, I'm not really all that concerned, um, or Toffoli with Meyer, I should say. So I'm not all that concerned um, about their def- defensive metrics right now. I think more importantly is the top defense pair usually goes out with the Hisher line. And if you look at the New Jersey defense, once you get down to the third pair, like that Brendan Smith pairing, <laughs> it is quite bad. Like, I mean, I don't mean just bad for New Jersey. I just mean like bad, like league wide. And I think once you get into that depth, those depth pairings of the New Jersey Devils, um, you know, I'll give the Devils fans um, one bit of credit. <laughs> they, they slag Brendan Smith quite a bit, and I think it's kind of deserved. Um, so I, I kind of think that getting to that second line, that Skinner Tuck middle stat line is, is um, where I want to go. Um, I did bring up uh, Casey Middlestat in the picks article. I'll bring it up real quick on the screen. Uh, free to read over at stochastic.com. What I talked about there is Casey Middlestat basically turning into one of the top playmakers in the league. Um, if you look at uh, scoring chance assists um, tracked by a website called all three zones, um, it's just how often a player assists on a teammate scoring chances. Last year, Casey, or Casey Middlestad was top 20 in the league. And we're talking like Alexander Barkov, Miko Ranton in territory. That is patently absurd. <laughs> when you think a couple of years ago, we were wondering if Casey Middlestad would actually just stay in the NHL at all. And now he's turned himself into literally one of the best playmakers in the league. And it's not just last year's sample. It started the year before that. And it's looking good again this year. So him with Skinner and talk like Skinner's been shooting a lot uh, to start the year. Um, that's one thing that I, I, I kind of picked up on so far this season is that Alex Tuck isn't shooting a lot, but Skinner is. And I'm wondering if it was just a fact, like, cause they were playing with Tage Thompson earlier. I think it's just, you know, Thompson and Skinner were taking the shots and Tuck wasn't like, there are only so many shots to go around. Right. So not that, that worried about Tuck's shot rate. I think it'll go up because Casey Middlestat doesn't shoot a lot himself. And, you know, going up against that Hughes line, I, I could see that being like a trading chances kind of situation where both lines are going to have a lot of chances to score or a fair bit of chances. And then you get into those second, third and third pairs from the devils. And there's just nothing to worry about there defensively. Like I'm not worried about, uh, you know, the John Marino pairing. I'm certainly not worried about the Smith and Luke Hughes pairing. So um, I do like that middle stat line here tonight. They are one of the mid stack lines that I like uh, on this slate. There's a reason why I wrote up Casey middle stat in that picks article today. Um, you do get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit, which is always nice. Um, you know, the Devils aren't taking a ton of penalties, but they're at four times shorthanded per game so far this season. Now the penalty kill has been very good. They're an aggressive, kind of like Carolina uh, in a, a little bit in that they'll take a fair sh- fair amount of penalties. As long as their goaltending doesn't fall apart, um, their penalty kill will hold up pretty well. Uh, but as you mentioned, the goaltending hasn't been holding up so well uh, for New Jersey. Um, so I do like, uh, Tuck Middlestat and Skinner here tonight. Question is if wanting to go like deeper into the lineup, like, you know, Krebs, Paterka, um, Gergensen's, uh, Okposo, Olofsson on the fourth line, like Gergensen's and Okposo, I think both played 16 minutes in Buffalo's last game. Like they're not truly the fourth line. They're like that. It's the Krebs, Jost, uh, Paterka line. That's actually the fourth line for Buffalo. So, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't run out and say, you know, go play Buffalo four here tonight. But if if you're game stacking and you do need a couple super cheap players on the Buffalo side because you are stacking all the expensive devils, I do think like San Jose, it would make kind of make sense uh, to look at those depth Buffalo guys. But it is Skinner, Tuck and Middlestat that I like best on the New Jersey side. Oh. What I will say is that I'm not interested in the bottom six for New Jersey. Like, I shouldn't have to say that, but it is a five-game slate where sometimes you are looking for cheap players. Um, you're looking for ways to get different, all that, those, all those sorts of things. There, like, I, I, 
I had Minnesota three in my article before I deleted it earlier today. So like using third and fourth liners, I'm not above that when there are only 10 teams on the slate. I'm not interested in the depth for New Jersey here. They moved, um, they moved Alex Holtz down to the fourth line. They have um, Eric Halla uh, with uh, Dawson Mercer on the second line um, with Curtis Lazar. I actually don't mind Lazar there, but I think he like I'd almost rather him on the fourth line and then give that line more minutes than move Alex Holtz to the fourth line and now he has nobody to play with. Right? Seems like, yeah. and I don't know if people remember last year when Jack or last year the year before when Jack Hughes was hurt. And Eric Holla was sort of like the de facto second line center. Things did not go well for the Devils offensively, right? So I have no interest in the Devils' bottom six. It's the top six, and it's about where to go. Um, you know, the Buffalo penalty kill is never anything to write home about. Buffalo is right around uh, right around the league average in time shorthanded, a little bit above. So they are giving up a fair amount of power plays to the opponent. The, the New Jersey penalty power play has just been outstanding um, so far this season. Um, I do like uh, the Jack Hughes line. I think there are enough ways to get different with the rest of that stack and with the rest of your lineup that I'm not concerned about ownership. And as you mentioned, um, Toffoli's coming in with 9.9% projected ownership. I think he ends up a little bit higher than that, but not too much. He'll be like half the ownership of Jack Hughes here tonight and a lot of GPPs. So I do like the idea of just power play stacking. If you don't want to use Timo Meyer, use Jesper Bratt. Jesper Bratt, like eight of his 10 points have come on the power play so far this season. Like he's been a big, uh, big reason why that power play has been so successful. Um, you have Luke Hughes you can use on the blue line. I always, not always, I often advocate for double centers with New Jersey because Hishier and Hughes play all the power play time together. Um, so there are a lot of ways to get different with your Devils, uh, with your top Devil stack. So I really do like um, the Jack Hughes line here. Again, I think mixing in Nico Hischer or Jesper Brad or something like that um, to round out the stack makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this. I mean, you're going to see a lot of Jack Hughes. Brings brings someone along for the ride. Sign up using the link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. That includes player and ownership projections, which we mentioned on the show. The top stacks tool, which we show on the show. Not all of it. And uh, line combinations. You also get access to the Discord, which is invaluable. There are a ton of sharp minds in there willing to help you. If you have questions, sign up in the link using the link in the description below. And get in that Discord. Say what's up. And, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Minnesota mild with a 3.1 total heading into Washington. The Capitals have a 3.3 total. I would much rather have the Blackhawks Vegas game on the slate than this bag of trash. My God. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was wrong about the Wild yesterday. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to be wrong more than I am right. You were on the Philly side. Take the victory lap when you can get it. Um... My God, the highest projected own line of the night is in this game, and it is the Ovechkin line. Alex Ovechkin has started to shoot the puck. He had 14 shots two games ago. He had four shots the other night. I uh, had an empty net goal, I think, in both of those games. He's on the top line with Stroman Wilson. Whether that stays intact for the rest of the game to be determined. If you are using New Jersey one and you're full stacking a line that kind of piqued my interest a little bit until I saw the ownership was the Kuznetsov, Oshie, Sonny Milano line. 
Uh, they're coming in pretty heavily negative, negatively leveraged. There's ways to get different, as always. Um, but like chalk capitals, when they've looked like they couldn't score with a beach ball, you know what I mean? Like it just kind of feels bad. And then on the flip side, do you go back to the Minnesota top line after they just got speed bagged by the Flyers last night? Like, I don't know, man, this game. I almost this game sucks. <laughs> um, my my feelings mirror your own as as it relates to this game. Um, this this is another one where I'll just say off the bat, um, I have no interest in the Washington bottom six. Um, they've been nuking the minutes for the guys at the bottom. Like Matt Matt Phillips hasn't been playing much. You know Beck Malenstein hasn't been playing much, and then the third line with Backstrom, McMichael, and Anthony Mantha. I think Backstrom's cooked, man. Like I really do. Like he tried, he came back, he came back last year from that hip surgery, just did not play. Like the team could not generate anything offensively when he was on the ice last year. And I thought, okay, tried to come back during the season, only played like 30 some games or whatever it was. Maybe, you know, he had a full off season to train um, to get where he thought he needed to. They're getting ran over when he's on the ice this year. I'm I, like Sagan conundrum. Like Sagan's no longer elite. He had those hip injuries, and you just never like you never recover. I, I, yeah, I would say Sagan's like like I don't know if Backstrom belongs in an NHL lineup right now. It, that's oh, no, no, I know what you mean, but like Sagan was an elite yeah. player, and then he yeah. fell off the map. Yeah, he took a big step down. I think Brad Marchand's kind of been the same thing, but that's another story for another day. Like. 38% expected goal share when um, Backstrom is on the ice this year, like under 1.9 expected goals for um, they're not generating any shots, 46 and a half shot attempts for 60 minutes. That's basically what they did with him at the end of last year after he returned. Like this is now like, you know, however many games he played last year, plus the start of this year. And he got booted off the power play. Like that's basically the one thing where like, if you're an aging veteran who's pretty cooked, usually you can still help out on the power play. Like Joe Thornton Yeah, Ovechkin for one. Um, you know, Joe Thornton did that towards the end of his career. Jimmy Ben's kind of in that boat, even though he's been better at five on five with Wyatt Johnson as his center. Um, but usually you can help out on the – like Corey Perry, I think, is a perfect example of that. Like the guy's pretty much washed at five on five, but on the power play he's still really, really good. Backstrom just doesn't do anything on the power play for them. And they took him off. Like if he was a 23 year old making 780,000 rather not rather than a future hall of famer who's played every game with the Washington capitals, he wouldn't be in the lineup. It's that simple. So I'm out on anything in the Washington bottom six. And then I get to the second line and it's Oshie Kuznetsov and Sonny Milano. I don't have a lot of faith in TJ Oshie either. I think he's a little bit better off than Backstrom because he can still contribute something on the power play in his spot, playing in the middle, um, playing in the middle of their formation. Like he can still get some shots off and he has been. So I don't think he's that bad yet, but they're coming in over owned by top stacks, um, 8% ownership. I don't have any interest in that Washington second line either. Not as a full three man trio. So I hate to say it, it is the Washington top line that I kind of like here. Like we mentioned it a, a couple shows ago with Washington on, like Ovechkin's had better numbers with Strom than with Backstrom, than with Kuznetsov, than with any other center that the team has had. Uh, Tom Wilson has actually looked kind of fine on that line. And they, you know, this trio actually played well together going back to last year. They have over 100 minutes together, 2.9 expected goals for, 4.7 actual goals for. Now the shooting percentage is a little high, but you know, Tom Wilson is a guy that typically has high shooting percentages because of where he, he shoots from. Alex Ovechkin isn't a bad, you know, percentage shooter. Dylan Strom is, has you often been fine. Like if they were to score like 3.2 or 3.3 goals per 60 minutes, five on five, it really wouldn't surprise me that much. Um, the problem is, is that they've been using Kuznetsov's line as a shutdown matchup. And that means they'll probably be taking the Capra's offline. It's the Capra's offline that has been really bad defensively this year. They might end up putting Ovechkin into Erickson kind of by mistake. Now Ovechkin's line does get a lot of bottom six matchups as well. And I think, you know, they can make hay against the Minnesota bottom six. So I think it's only the Washington top line that I've interest in. Now, if you want to take, especially where Dylan Strom's joined the top power play unit over Backstrom. Now, if you want to take Wilson off and put on, 
Oshi or put on Kuznetsov or something like that and turn it into a power play stack, I think that's fine. But the Washington power play has been struggling for a while now, going back to last year. So that's not something that I'm super interested in. I'm glad you brought up Ovechkin shooting more. He is back up into the top five shot attempts per minute in the league that only took him a couple of games to get back to where he was. So um, he is um, back there. Um, so it is the Washington top line here. Like I said, if you want to take off Wilson, put in some power play guys, I think that's fine. On the Minnesota side. This game is just a bag of ass. Oh, man, it's terrible. Like, that, they're using Kuznetsov and Oshie in a shutdown matchup, but they're not a good shutdown line. Like, I don't know why Evgeny – like, I know why Evgeny Kuznetsov is in a shutdown matchup is because they have nobody else that can literally do it. Like, you're not doing it with Backstrom. You're not using Dylan Strom and Ovechkin in that role, not at this stage of Ovechkin's career. And you're certainly not going to send out Matthew Phillips and Beck Malenstein in a shutdown role. It's basically like it's the least bad option, and it's still a bad option. Like, that's kind of what, what they're stuck with. Um, so Kuznetsov and Oshi going back to last year, expected goals against over three actual goals against approaching four per 60 minutes. Like it's just, it's, it's not what you want. Uh, let me tell you that. So I actually do have some interest in the Minnesota top line here and I'll bring up top stacks with them. 13% ownership, but 24% top two stack percentage, you know, they haven't been generating a lot of quality, but they their shot attempts generated has been have been fine. Fifty eight uh, per sixty minutes. Um, you know you'll get Kaprizov. I think Kaprizov played twenty two minutes last night. The other guys played less, obviously, but he's going to get a ton of ice time. You know Kaprizov is a- averaging three and a half shots per game. Um, you know Kaprizov and Hartman are the two guys shooting the most per minute at five on five uh, on this team. So it is both top lines that I like in this game the most. I'm skipping over the Erickson, Johansson, Maroon line. Like, I, I will play a lot of things. I will not play second line Patrick Maroon. I don't even care if it's a showdown slate. And if he, it's one of those, like, if he burns me, he burns me. Like, I, I just can't wrap my head around it. For a cheap stack, it's the Minnesota third line that I'm kind of looking at here because they're the ones that are going to get some of that Nick Baxter matchup, some of that Alex Ovechkin matchup. Um, Marco Rossi has been on the ice for over 60 shot attempts for 60 minutes so far this year. He's been playing well alongside Nick Foligno, like not great, but you know, nobody in Minnesota is playing great. Uh, He's been playing well enough. There's not a lot of ownership. It is like a cheap two man stack that you can use with those super expensive New Jersey guys. So while I do like both top lines in this game to an extent, like a two man of like Rossi, Foligno, Rossi, Lettieri, something like that is kind of where my interest is peaked for mixing in with my super expensive New Jersey Buffalo stack, something like that. Yeah. I don't mind one off Marco Rossi. I think, well, I don't know. I'm not going to speak for the coach because the coach is kind of a stubborn little fella, but uh, Marco Rossi needs to start moving up that lineup. I was, I was, I mentioned that to somebody else a couple of days ago when they're getting their brains beat in the game before I was like, maybe moving like sarcastically, maybe moving Rossi further down the lineup will help. Like, I don't know there. It doesn't benefit them at all to leave him where he is. Yeah. He had awful numbers with Gaudreau to start to like Gaudreau has been awful to start the season, but I don't know if any Letary at least can play offense defensively. He's uh, Los Angeles Kings with a 3.4 total heading into Arizona. The coyotes have a 3.1 total. Oh, boy. Here we are with the Kings conundrum again. Like, all three of their lines are super cheap. And, you know, their ownership isn't too bad besides the uh, Dinell line. Still, my favorite line in this game is Arizona 1. Like, I don't know. Like, I just don't know if I'm being a homer. Because, like, we talk about in the Discord. It's like, Arizona night. An Arizona homer. Everyone's just banging the drum. They're like, coyotes. Like, I feel like. You know, the progressive field, the guy banging the drum. They're a legitimately good line. And, like, the Kings, without their full lineup, right, they're still a good team, but they don't use the Kopitar line in the shutdown matchup. They're probably going to see the Pierre Locke Dubois line. And, like, they've been good, but, like, there's there's nothing – that frightens me. And for 18-1 coming in with positive leverage, I, I like them here tonight. Uh, I don't have too much interest in full stacking the second line. Like, I'm just not going to... 
like your Pat Maroon is my Alexander Kerfoot. Like I'm just not full stacking the line with Kerfoot. Like if Kerfoot beats me, I'll tip my cap and I'll talk about it on the next show. But like you want to have Cooley, Maselli, Michelli, whatever, however you say it is fine. But like I'm Arizona one here on the King side. It's a bit more interesting, like because they're a pretty good offense team, but Arizona has been pretty good defensively. And I mean, if the Kings ownership was a bit higher, it'd be an easier fade. Like I'm leaning towards not playing too much Kings. Like even if I was MMEing, I would might come in under the field, but like, I, I don't mind the Fiala Dubois uh, Laferriere line. I, I wish the Dino more Kaliev line was a bit lower owned because they're super cheap and they've been shooting a bunch, but Oh, like maybe this is a night to go to the Kopitar line. I haven't heard that. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> one thing I'll push back on is the is Arizona defensively. Um, one thing I mentioned in my article is the top the top line has been excellent defensively for sure. Um, the Keller Hayton Schmaltz line has been really good defensively. But what I pointed out in the picks article again, free to read over at stochastic.com. Uh, what a great website. Um, when the top line is off the ice, the team is giving up 36%, sorry, 63% more expected goals against. That's bad. But they're getting, they're getting 965 save percentage. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a, a, a 930 save percentage, and I'd be like, they're regressing. They're at 965. So, you know, they're obviously getting a little bit lucky um, with their goaltending. Um, that's why I wrote up Arthur Kaliev uh, in the picks article because they're going to be getting some depth matchups. Um, Arizona had been using their top line a little bit in a, sh- in a shutdown role um, last year, early this year. They got away from that in their last game against Anaheim. They started using like that Jack McBain line, um, <laughs> shutdown line. That's why I'm kind of with you. Uh, that's why I'm kind of with you. Like I kind of like um, Los Angeles one here tonight. And it feels weird to say that because – I think offensively speaking, I like the second and third lines better. Like, I think the second and third lines are better offensive lines, like more dangerous lines on a per shot attempt basis. But I think that Kings top line is going to get a pretty good matchup against whatever that third line from Arizona um, is going to end up being. Like, they had been, like I said, using that McBain line a little bit in shutdown line. They could use, you know, Nick Bukestad and Lawson Kraus. Um, certainly um, in a shutdown role. I'm not too concerned um, about those matchups for Los Angeles one. And they've been using, this is one of the frustrating things. They've been using their top power play unit pretty heavily. Last year was more like a 60, 40 split this year. It's been closer to 70, 30 in favor of the top unit, even though the top power play unit has been again, worse than, than um, like last, like last year, the King's second power play unit was by far the better power play unit. This year, the Kings' second power play unit has again been by far the better power play unit, but it gets less, they're getting a lot less ice time. So, yeah, the Kings' top line, um, two out of the three guys on the top power play unit, um, they're going to get the lion's share of the power play time. Now, Arizona is taking a lot fewer penalties this year than they did last year. They're playing much more disciplined, um, only 3.3 times shot, 3.3 times shorthanded per game. Um, that's below average, uh, below the league average. But Los Angeles and Arizona, have been drawing a ton of power plays. Uh, Arizona um, is second in the league at 4.7 power play opportunities per game, and Los Angeles is third in the league at 4.5. These two teams played on Tuesday night. There are eight power plays in the game, which is why the Kings' top power play unit played over five minutes. Um, So I do like Kings' one here. They have been um, pretty pretty dominant. 2.5 expected goals for, only two against. This has been the problem with the Kings' top line earlier in the season. They're straight up just missing the net way too much. <laughs> like, legitimately, only 42% of their shots have been on net. AJ, only 36% of Adrian Kempe's shot, shots, shot attempts have been on net. And only 33% of Quinton Byfield's. Normally, the league average is at around 55 56%. Guys that are really bad will be in the high 40. So obviously that's it's a small sample thing that's going to regress. And when they do, I think their expected goals numbers are going to jump up by quite a bit. And I kind of want to get in on the ground floor before that happens. So it's Kings one for me in this game that I like the best. 
uh, on the Kings side. If you want to go to like more Dano Kaliev, I think that's perfectly fine. You get two out of three guys on the second power play unit. Like I said, it is the better power play unit. Kings will get their fair share of chances. That line has been really, really good. 3.6 expected goals uh, since being put together uh, per 60 minutes, 70 shot attempts per 60 minutes. Like Kaliev has fit in like a glove uh, in, in uh, Victor Arvidsson's spot. They're just coming in with a little bit too much ownership. But honestly, I think Kings 3 is perfectly fine here. But it is the Kings top line I like best on their side. Arizona, uh, I, like it's pretty much top line or bust for me. I know people are super hyped on Logan Cooley. He has fewer shots on goal than he does games played so far this year. He's not shooting the puck at all. And Jason so, Zucker's hurt. So you mean Jake's going to go in because that is an Alex Wenberg clone. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't think he's not going to end up like Alex Wenberg, but I think like maybe some sort of like secondary stack. Like if you want to do like Nick Butestad, Matias Michelli for secondary power play minutes or something like that, I think that's fine. But I think it's Arizona top liner bust for me. Kings one, I like as well. I like all three Kings lines, honestly, but I think if you want to save some money going down to that Kings third line, perfectly fine. Yeah. You wrote up Arthur Kaliev. My plus money, the big dog plus money prop of the night is also Arthur Kaliev over two and a half shots on goal tonight at plus 145. How do you bet that? I'll tell you. We are sponsored by Bet365, and if you deposit $10 – and bet five of it, you get $150 in free bonus bets. If you're in Kentucky, you bet $1 and get $365 in bonus bets. I'm not sure what they do in Kentucky other than lose teeth and whitewater raft, but you can also get a lot more free bets. You can also get this in Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. Sign up. Uh, go tell the Arthur Kaliev big dog plus money prop of the night. Uh, over two and a half shots of goal. You have to be 21 plus. You have to be 18 in Kentucky. If you or anyone else you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's get to the final game of the night, and it does not disappoint. The St. Louis Blues with a 2.8 total heading into Vancouver. The Canucks have a 3.7 total. You almost forget that the Canucks are on this slate because you have Carolina with a 3.9 total. You have New Jersey with a 3.9 total. You have the mess of the the (laughs) Minnesota-Washington game. And then you have the late night hammer of Vancouver playing back to back on the road, St. Louis Blues, who just shut out the depressing Calgary Flames. But here we are. Like, ah, Buchnevis still on the second line. They've healthy scratched Jacob Vrana, Jakob Vrana. Why? I don't know. It's just a pick of which Vancouver line you want to play tonight. I, I had a couple questions earlier today. In Discord, I think it was in Discord or DMs, one or the other. Oh, can we just power play stack the Canucks? And I said, that's fine, but the Blues just generally don't take a lot of penalties. I think I would go the full line. Uh, if you're going to go the JT Miller line, I think you should include Philip Giuseppe. He's cheap. He scored the last game. He's usually involved. He might play a few minutes less, but I, I like both lines here. Um, it's kind of, if you have a lean on it, go ahead. On the Blues side, I don't know if they're going 11-7 again tonight. I know it's probably going to be Bennington in that. I, I would imagine they do, right? Like, they go and get a shutout on the road. I can't imagine they're going to change anything about the lineup other than the goalie. Yeah. I just – I don't have too – like, I know it's the Canucks and they're bad, but, like, I don't have too much interest as long as Buchnevich is not on that top line. I do. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what I mentioned in my picks article, um, cause I did write up St. Louis one. I did write up St. Louis one in that picks article. And I did that because Vancouver had usually used Elias Pettersson in a shutdown role. They've moved a little bit more to JT Miller um, at home lately. The JT Miller line is giving up 3.6 expected goals against per 60 minutes so far this season. That is <laughs> yeah, that is very poor. Um, not that St. Louis is going to be any better. But they have also allowed over three goals per 60 minutes going back to last year. Like, this is a line that played together quite a bit um, at, you know, the last 30, 25, 30 games um, at the end of last season. Um, and the St. Louis top line hasn't been bad, really. Three expected goals per 60 minutes at five on five. They're missing 
kind of like um, the Kings line that I talked about earlier. They're missing the net quite a bit. They're under 50% shot attempt, uh, shot attempts on goal. Um, but Jordan Cairo is shooting the puck a lot. I was looking earlier. He's like top 10 in the league for top six players in terms of market share, which is like how much, how many of the shots that he's taken that the team is generating. He's top 10 in the league. So he is shooting a lot. Robert Thomas played like 21 or 22 minutes last night. He's going to play a lot. Brandon Saad's been getting more minutes um, since he got moved up to that top line. Uh, there's not a ton of ownership uh, coming in on St. Louis. I'll bring them in on uh, top stacks here. Uh, top line coming in at about 8%. Second line at about 4%. I, th- I kind of like St. Louis 1 as what I think should be a lower own stack here tonight. Like the Vancouver penalty kill has definitely not been good this year, but... Like some other teams, they've been getting saved by their goaltending. Um, 886 uh, penalty kill save percentage, I think, which I think would have led the league last year. So just to give you uh, a heads up on how uh, Vancouver's penalty kill is going is that they're needing a league-leading save percentage to help themselves out. They're giving up the third most shot attempts and the most shots against per minute while on the penalty kill. Not that the St. Louis power play has been very good. but they might only need a couple chances to get on the board. So decent five on five match. Like, yeah, it's back to back on the road, but they're like what five back to back teams or something like that um, on the slate here tonight. Like you're probably going to have to play one of them um, back to back on the road, but a decent five on five matchup, not a bad power play matchup. Now the blues don't draw a lot of power plays uh, 3.2 per game. That's below league average, but it's not terrible. You know what I mean? Like there are teams that are like 2.5, 2.6. So I don't mind. St. Louis top line here. The second line is kind of interesting because Buchnevich and Kapanen actually have passable offensive numbers <laughs> going back to last year. Problem is, is that they're probably going to get a lot of that Pedersen line. And Pet- like Mikheyev just really helps that line out a lot defensively. Um, they have really good numbers going back uh, to last year, 2.6. Um Expect the goals against uh, going back to last year with McKayev and, and Kuzmenko on the top line. It's about league average. It's perfectly fine, especially when you have Thatcher Demko. Um, and the other thing is Vancouver's not drawing a lot of power plays this year. The second fewest power play opportunities per game of any team. So like you like you mentioned, St. Louis doesn't uh, give up many power plays. And Vancouver's not drawing a lot. Like maybe they do tonight because St. Louis is tired. Maybe they take a couple extra dumb penalties, like hooking penalties or whatever. But I, I do like the Vancouver top line, like Pedersen, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev. Like, I'm a Mikheyev guy. I, I, I have no issue with stacking them at all. But I think just kind of in a nutshell, I think I kind of like the St. Louis side here. So it's St. Louis one for me. That's it from the Blues. Like, I'm not playing the second second line. The third line just got all jumbled. The third and fourth lines got all jumbled around because they only, they're only playing with 11 forwards. So, uh, yeah, the St. Louis top line for me on the Vancouver side. Um, Vancouver one. Vancouver three is also kind of interesting. That Garland, Suter, Joshua line. Um, I don't think the St. Louis bottom six has been anything to write home about, especially with uh, Jakob Vrana um, having to sit. Um, Joshua is typically a decent playmaker. Uh, Garland's kind of like a a decent dual threat, like goal scorer slash playmaker. I think that could be a, a good third line for them. I think it's one of those lines that if you're, again, if you're playing expensive Buffalo, expensive New Jersey, those types of things, I think it's one of those third lines you can definitely look to. Yeah, don't mind that because they have a 3.7 total. They're obviously expecting goals. Like it's Bennington who's been great this season, but it's Bennington. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it's it's something that you and I have mentioned on shows before that if it looks like a spot might be chalky, um, you know, they're not going to be super chalky, but they do have a high total. Dip down to the third line is 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 something that we talk about often. I do think this is one of those spots where you can do that. Yeah, I don't even think you have to full stack. You can one off Garland. You can one off Joshua. Stuff like that. Like because if the game, if the top six does work in the first half of the game and it's like four nothing going to the uh, into like the second half of the second period, they're probably going to play 14, 15, 16 minutes. So yeah. don't mind that, that at all. Coming up after us. NBA Deeper Dive at 445 with Josh Engelman and Chris Spaggs. NBA Live Before Lock at 6 p.m. with Greg and Matt. So if you are NBAing, make sure to first click the link in the description below and use promo code TIPOFF 
to get 20% off any membership, and then tune into these free shows. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen, hat-trick picks, and some goalies here. Let's start with defensemen. Spend-up options are a bit on the drier side. I think Dougie Hamilton's an interesting one just because he doesn't get a top he doesn't get top power play time, but he has been playing 22 plus minutes this season. I think this is an interesting spot to spend up for him. I don't think he's going to be very highly owned, especially with people jamming in Hughes to Foley, Luke Hughes. You know what I mean? So like I think Dougie's interesting. John Carlson's also interesting. But then after that, you know, you kind of drop down into mid-range. Who are you liking? Yeah, um, I will mention John Carlson. Like, I know, like, as bad as Washington is, like, he still brings a lot of peripherals. Like, he's he does block shots. He does take shots. If they get in, if they do create some goals, there's a good, especially on the power play, there's a good chance he'll be in them. So I don't mind John Carlson. Quinn Hughes is the guy I wrote up in my picks article. Like, uh, we'll keep banging that drum. Like, he is not the same defenseman he's typically been. He's been shooting the puck a lot this year, and that gives him a lot more value. If you want to move away from Hughes, I... Because, like we said, I'm not expecting a lot of power plays in that game for Vancouver. So I think playing using Philip Hronick instead of Hughes to save some money is a good way to go. You know, more five on five, um, lower ownership, cheaper price, all that good stuff. On the Car- uh, in the Carolina game, I don't mind Brady Shea. Um, he's been moved to a pair with Dmitry Orlov, I think. So. Uh, don't mind Brady Shea if you need like a mid-price defenseman on DraftKings. Uh, I did write up Orlov as well. Um, he's been playing a lot more minutes uh, since Brett Pesci got hurt. Luke Hughes, obviously, Mar- Mario Ferraro uh, for blocks from San Jose. I imagine he's going to have to block a lot of shots uh, here tonight uh, for um, for the Sharks. Uh, Ian Cole is kind of an interesting guy because I've been looking at the minutes for Vancouver. They've been playing like Hughes and Hronick, like 25-plus. And then Ian Cole, like 23, 22, 23. And then the rest of the guys are getting you know, very little. So I think Ian Cole at 2,800, I don't think he gets the block bonus because St. Louis is like St. Louis barely shoots, but any guy playing that amount of minutes for under three K on DraftKings on a slate this small, I, I think is definitely worth it. Um, also keep an eye in Washington uh, on the defense in case Rasmus Sandin doesn't play. I think Martin Fairberry would be a pretty nice play from Washington. Uh, if Rasmus Sandin doesn't get into the lineup. Had that circled if it wasn't mentioned. So, yeah, I concur there. I think there'll be that min price guy that comes into the lineup is like Camus Harold Art- Artillery Vane or something, what his name is. I don't know, but he's min price. Okay. If you don't know who that is, neither do I. <laughs> Let's talk about goalies and goalies. I think the one that sticks out is Thatcher Demko at 8K. Obviously, King Carol Vimelka at 7,500. After that, anyone you liking? I mean, whoever ends up getting the start for Washington, I think it looks like it might be Kemper, but um, I guess we'll see going up against Minnesota. He's confirmed. I mean, okay, Capo Kakinen, I guess, from from San Jose, as long as he plays. In fact, um, I've been making a lineup um, during the show, just a sample lineup here. Basically, Washington won like Kings power play. And then I have Kakinen and Ferraro uh, defense and goalie. Um, I guess Kakinen like 7K against Carolina. Like even if Carolina gets three or four goals against him, he could still have a pretty good DFS night. So I think for me, it's going to be Kakinen or Vamelka or Kemper. Um, it's just picking one of those three, depending on how I go with the rest of my lineup. Yeah, Kakinen played 32 minutes last night, but he only faced 10 shots. Like the, the the lightning just hit the brakes after you know the first half of that game. So yeah. <sighs> Who are you looking for your hat trick pick? I'm gonna go to the Buffalo, New Jersey game, but I'm gonna go to the road team and I'm gonna go to Buffalo's second line, and I'm gonna go to Skinner, Mr. Jeffrey Skinner. I, I was thinking about that, but I am just going with the ultimate fish play here. Andre Smetchnikov. Fair enough. Such a fish. Such a fish. Like it's such a cop out, such a cop out. But I will be back with some spiciness tomorrow. I wanted to go defenseman, and I was looking through defenseman. I was like, oh man, maybe Nick Letty. No, but um, no, it's a joke. But we will be back tomorrow, Saturday, two p.m. I think it's a seven-game main slate, so that's a nice size for a Saturday. Um, 
make sure to smash that like button on the way out. It helps us out so much. Uh, if you're interested in signing up for premium, click that link in the description below. It'll take you to the landing page that you need. And uh, we'll see you in Discord. And good luck, everybody. Good luck tonight, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more.